0: Hi hey guys, my name is Juan. Um, basically, at Wright College, um, I took a class with Berto, a um, psychology class. Um, we decided to go out there and just be a witness out there. And some of the people we met, um, they were very open to the gospel, especially as a warmer environment. We're not preaching outside, so it's an indoor place. so people are just rather talk. And we preached to some of the people, you know, that they need to get right with God, Jesus is the way. And one of the guys that uh Jared worked with named James he's been talking with Bertel, and he's a believer and we're trying to encourage him to be disciple and stuff like that so it just uh, the the whole testimony is just being willing to go where God calls you to do to be a witness there and the verse that I want to share is then I heard the voice of the Lord saying who shall I send who will go for us and I said here I am send me God bless y'all. And then um, I'm just going to pray. Dear Jesus, I just pray that we'll be willing to go where you call us to be. And then we'll do the things you call us to do. As Metro prays, you call us to love God, to love people, and to use the strategy, connect, mentor, and send. And to reach that goal of 100,000 disciples in the city of Chicago. And 50 churches in Chicago, 500 around the world. And I just pray. That we will be obedient to what you call us to do. And I just pray that your will be done. In Jesus'
1: name.
2: You. You, know, you know, this morning, before we start worship, before we sing any song, come on, I just want us to repair our hearts. And, and I just feel like since we're a body, amen, but why don't you just look to your neighbor and just, just greet them. Come on. Just loving them a little bit. Tell them you're glad to see them. Bless them. Come on, just bless them. Say, man, may God bless you so much. I just pray that God will bless you in this service, in this time of worship. Come on. Praise the Lord. We're one body. Amen. The rising sun to the still of night, every waking moment for Your delight. With Jesus, we live for Your glory. From the mountain heights to the valleys low, all created things give the light to show. With Jesus, we live for
1: Your glory. Well, Lord, I'll end this Venus, we'll let your glory shine forever. It's all the earth, it's all the earth. We we'll sing your praise. Come on, sing. Oh. Oh, we'll sing hope. hope of every heart. Well, let your name be lifted higher. It's all our hearts, it's all our hearts. We we'll sing your praise. Say, God, be exalted, God, be exalted in everything. We live for your glory, live for your glory. Say, God, be, say, God, be exalted, God, be exalted in everything. We live for your glory. i
2: of praise, come on, so good God, we sing your praise here this morning God, because you're worthy, you are a sovereign God, you are a gracious, you are a good, you are a forgiving God, come on, you're a powerful God, our God is an all-consuming fire, come on, we ask that you move in fire in this place, let your love burn in our hearts God, God let your love burn in our hearts this very moment right now. Holy Spirit, come. Come right now. Burn upon our hearts. Your love, what you think of us right now. You just tell the- I just want to share just a quick testimony of God's faithfulness and goodness. And I think what a perfect moment in time that we can do that and reflect on it and and add it to the worship and praise. And, um, you know, I'm not probably the only one that may have experienced this. I know that we have um, uh, Jerry's father from out of town uh, uh, because um, someone passed away. But someone in my family had passed away, a great aunt. And it's not a sad story because she knew the Lord. Um, And ever since I I was small, I remember seeing her at church. Rain or shine, snow, it didn't matter. She was there. She'd always come dressed, and she was always sitting in the front. And, um, you know, this past week, she passed away. And um, they had asked me to come and share, bring a word. And the only thing I, I could think about was God's faithfulness, that there is a hope and um, when I went and then I shared at the funeral home uh, that part of the family is is not saved and so God really touched my heart and and different things the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart but as I was sharing literally it almost felt like God's faithfulness and God's truth just literally covered me and and it's it's, when you talk about it it's, it's beautiful it's amazing but when you feel that covering come over you like the very same thing I was talking about I had you know I have a hope and it was such a blessing because I know that in times of worship, God does the exact same thing. He covers you. And get this picture of someone very cold. If, you, if you're a parent in this place, if you have um, young ones, and if they're cold in the wintertime, you see them shivering, you're just going to want to come and cover them with a blanket and then wrap them in your arms. Like, Come here. Come here, you. You're going to want to bring them close and, and talk to them and tell them you love them and whatever way you can. And, and God does that. When we sing these songs, it's not just singing it to him, but he, he's literally pouring it back out to us. Like, I, I am relentless after you. You better believe it. It's like, God, your love is relentless. Yes, I am. I'm coming after you. So right now, with just an attitude of worship. Can we just close our eyes in this place. God's love is relentless. We have a hope in this place. It's why we sing this from a heart that's full of love and joy. Because he is the hope of our salvation, the author of our faith, Jesus Christ. There's no one like you, Lord. Come on and confess it, Lord. There's no one like you. The way you take care of us, the way you cover us, God, when we don't see it, Lord, there is no one like you. The way you pursue us, Lord. Hallelujah. The way you come after us, God. Oh, the way you give us hopes, the way you give us a vision,
1: Lord.
2: This place us wanna share what God is speaking to their hearts. You're not gonna find hope in your jobs. You're not gonna find hope in people, hope in money. Come on, those all will fail you. He'll never fail you. Come on. It's a hope in God. God will forgive you, God will make you white as snow, but you have to come before the Lord and repent. Stain, and he you washed it white as snow Jesus paid Jesus paid say thy strength indeed is small child the
1: weakness watch and break To say and melt my heart a stone Jesus paid, and Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. My sin had left a crimson stain. Let's
3: in the Holy Ghost. I want you just to lift up a song to God this morning. Jesus, come on, if you're saved in this place, lift up a song to him this morning. Come on, he paid it all. He washed us oh he raised you up from the dead hallelujah there's some in this place come on you're close to the kingdom of god you gotta shout out you gotta shout out this morning you gotta call on the name of jesus christ this morning Oh, yeah, we <risos> We praise you this morning. Hallelujah. God, you are awesome and mighty and majestic and powerful. You are king above all kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the Almighty, the first and the last, the beginning from the end. The Alpha and the Omega, the lion from the tribe of Judah, our rescuer, our redeemer, our savior our friend that sticks closer than a brother, it's you alone. You stand above, you are our creator, but yet you choose to know us. Right now we're gonna prepare to take communion. As our ushers begin to pass it out, I want us to just keep meditating on who God is. He's all present, he's all knowing, he's all powerful, and yet he chooses to know us. He desires to have our heart. Every first Sunday of the month, we take communion in this place in obedience to what Jesus Christ told us to do. He said, remember this, the wafer representing his body, the juice representing his blood that was shed, poured out for us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Why? Why would he choose to give up his most precious son? It's because of love. It's because of love. Not our love to him because of his love towards us. We have a scripture right here. First John chapter four, verse nine through 11. Sorry, verse nine through 10. says, this is how God showed his love for us he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins you gotta maybe you say I don't feel God's love maybe you say I, I don't feel like my neighbor feels or I don't get that emotion it's not about emotions it's about his love for us amen our emotions will lead us astray We'll feel it one day and the next day we won't. It's a commitment that we're making because He proved His love for us. If you don't need know Jesus Christ in this place as your Lord and Savior, today is the day to step out in faith and say, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sin. I accept you as the atoning sacrifice for my sins. Come and live inside of me, Holy Ghost. It's by faith this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have not been born again, the Bible says there is no place in the kingdom of God, but I want you to know that this God wants you to be there and it's up to you this morning. It's up to you to let your heart cry out and just say, God, come inside of me, not because of your emotions, but because you're stepping out in faith and you're going to make a commitment to the living God. Amen. Right now, I'm going to give you this moment, this time to pray, to pour out your heart to God a couple of minutes before we take this together. Maybe husbands and wives, if you want to pray together, maybe you want to pray with your children, but just a time as the worship band continues to, to sing to this song, a time between you and the Lord right now. Jesus
1: paid it all. To Him I owe. Sin has left a crimson state. He
3: confess your sin and receive mercy this morning before God don't allow any root of sin to grow up between you it will cause a hardness of hearts between you and the Lord come on get it all out just between you and him and just receive the love receive the sacrifice receive the joy and the mercy and the grace that there is in being a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ Take your communion now. You haven't already. we continue to worship to this song one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and grace in our lives. We thank you that you've called us, God, and that salvation is because of your mercy and grace. I pray, dear God, that on this day we would remember the great sacrifice that you did for us because of love. Pray that we would draw closer to you, that disciples would arise in this place, dear God, and lay down their lives to live for you. Come on, let's sing this one more time. you made a way for us thank you lord come on give him some praise this morning in jesus name amen and amen please remain standing if you are the one who gave your life to the lord this morning if you said i god i just i want to live for you i want to surrender my all to you then we want to invite you to go talk to christina Or Rudy right over there during our time of fellowship and they want to help you get connected they want to see that you continue on this journey with Jesus Christ amen right now we're gonna do our confession of faith if you would like a copy of this please raise your hand one of our ushers will bring you one we recite this every single week it's our biblical worldview We see everything through this worldview, and and we stand on it, and we believe that all around this world, these statements stand true for every single person. So we're going to recite this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail i believe in the salvation for all mankind it is by faith alone in christ alone by god's grace alone and for the glory of god alone amen and amen guys feel free to take the next couple of minutes to fellowship greet one another Welcome to MPI Church, who's excited. Please make your way back to your seat. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to MPI Church, guys. Good morning. I want to take this time to welcome all of our first-time visitors. If this is your first time here, please raise your hand as one of our ushers will bring you a brochure. Nope. Amen, welcome. Here at MPI, we have two main services. Sundays at 10 a.m., Fridays at 7 p.m., Elevate Youth Service. Come on, where you at? Make some noise. Amen. We. I just wanna invite you guys. We have two main events going on this week. Tonight, we have the MPI Super Bowl party. Come on, who's excited for that? Food Fellowship Prizes. Whoever brings the most friends gets a prize, right? So make sure you come up for that. That's tonight at 5 p.m. And then this Tuesday, February 4th at 6 p.m. Here, Pastor Ellie is leading this out. We are streaming live Evolution versus Creation with these two great guys, Bill Nye and Ken Ham. We're gonna be watching it here. Yes, Bill Nye, the science guy. So you guys, welcome on out uh, Tuesday. 6 p.m. You don't want to miss out. It's going to be a great time of fellowship. So you're welcome to come and hang out with us. Here at MPI, we have a vision of loving God and loving who? Loving God and loving people, the two greatest commandments. And we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to live for Jesus, number one, get connected to Jesus, and then get connected through one of our life groups. Life groups are a place where disciples share life together. If you want a complete listing of everything that we have going on this month, please check, look on the back of your announcements or check us out on the website. And then here's what's going on this week. So tonight we have the Single Mamas Group, Encounter Night, and the Fellowship all teaming up for the Bowl Party here at 5 p.m. Yes, there you go. Wednesday's King's Kids at 6.30 p.m. Parents, bring your children, yes. Drop them off, hang out here with them teaching our children to live for Jesus Christ. Friday's adult Bible study at my place with child care provided. This month we're going through the book of 1 John. We're just really going to get in it in the nitty gritty. Uh, we have child care, food, fun, fellowship as well, so make sure you join us. And then Saturday, sidewalk counseling with Pastor Jared. Meet at the clinic. is yes, very, very powerful at 9.30 a.m. And then Saturday evangelism at 5 p.m. Meet here at the church heading out throughout the city of Chicago to tell the world about Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to see you guys get connected. We want to see you guys come to our homes and come to meet with us because we want to share life with you. And then the second part of our discipleship strategy is mentor. We want to mentor you to live like Jesus Christ. And we do that through our one on one discipleship. You meet with an elder or a deacon here at the church at a time that's convenient for you or a place where it's convenient for you as well. And you go through that. You're held accountable. You're held to a great holy standard. And then after you graduate this, you go on to the two on one class with Pastor Jared here. And this is Disciples That Make Disciples. Getting trained up in, to, in the Word of God because we want to see you get sent out. Everybody say, sent which is the third part of our discipleship strategy, sent out to impact this world about Jesus Christ. And we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago. Yes, get excited. 50 churches here and 500 all around the world. Come on, God's going to do it. Say amen. Now it's time to prepare for our tithes and offering. If you guys could please open up your Bibles with me to Malachi 310. And right now, before we get into that lesson, I just want to give you this uh, missions giving report. You guys all know that we're doing a a missions campaign. We're raising up $20,000 so that we can take a missions trip to the Philippines, right? Great, powerful things. This was supposed to start in January. January. All right? But everybody got so pumped and excited and started giving in December of last year. And so we already have 2 months down where we've been giving and this is what we've raised so far. $3,406. Yes, you guys did awesome. Awesome, awesome. So the first month we raised you guys raised $1,600, a little over that. And then last month it was about $1,700 you guys gave. Yes. It is amazing. It's powerful. This is what we have left to raise, $16,594 to meet our goal. If you guys gave last month, stay committed to those pledges because that's all we have to do to keep, to meet our goal. We need to raise about $1,600 a month to make this happen. And God's going to do it, amen, through your giving. And we know that if you take care of God's house, he's going to take care of your house, amen? We know that if you remain faithful to him, he's going to remain faithful to you. And we're seeing that, and it's going to be powerful. There's going to be amazing testimonies that come forth from the actual missions trip as well, from you, the ones who are giving, sacrificially giving to God's kingdom. So stay faithful with that. And now if you can please turn with me to Malachi 3.10. So far we've learned that 10% of our total income given to God faithfully is our tithe. I'm reading out of the disciples' giving book. You guys can find that on the Metro Praise website. This lesson five is called God Blesses Those Who Tithe. All right, let's read. Malachi 3:10. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. That's good, right? Come on, Lord, pour it out. So here are some two main points that that we can get out of this passage. Number one, God blesses those who tithe. God blesses or empowers to succeed those who tithe and keep his commands. Number two, God's blessings overflow to his people's lives. God not only promised to meet our needs, but he also promises to give us enough to help meet others' needs. God's going to bless you so much other people are going to see and say, hey, Come on, give me some of that. I want to be near you. I want to come near Jerry. I want to come near Tony and Nancy because God's blessing you. And I want to know what that's all about, right? So how do we summarize this? When we give to God, he gives back to us abundant blessings that are more than we can personally contain. So how do we apply this? Number one, give God your tithe faithfully. Number two, pray and ask God to bless you to be a blessing. Amen. Now let's confess this over our tithes together this morning. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and a curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests maturity, Breaks the attitude of greed through obedience. Is mandated for all. And brings us into partnership with God and his church. Amen. Please stand to your feet with me this morning. Just want to reiterate, 10% of your total income is your tithe and that goes to the general fund. Anything you give after that becomes your offering. Feel free to designate where you want that to go. Are you going to the missions campaign to raise $20,000 or do you want to give to the building offerings? Please circle on your envelopes. If you have any prayer requests, please let us know. We want to partner with you in prayer. Amen. Let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20 35. The Lord Jesus Himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for every blessing. Thank you, dear God, that you have been faithful to us in so much. And every time, dear God, maybe we've lacked. Dear God, we've seen you provide. Dear God, we can... Point back to the times where you've opened doors that seemed impossible. Father, we pray for that in this season, that we would be blessed, dear God, to be a blessing to others, that it would overflow, dear God. And others, dear God, even unbelievers would see your mighty hand upon us as your children. I pray for breakthroughs financially and promotions and jobs to be given to your people. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Come up as you give.
4: Amen. How many love Jesus? Can I get an amen? Woo, woo. Awesome. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. Just want to welcome you guys here again. I am your pastor, your host, your servant of all. Uh, just so glad to be back in Chicago for all the snow because I missed it last week in New Orleans. And 55 degree weather with sunshine, of course I missed it, had to come back to it. And uh, last week, man, I was preaching in my friend's church, talking about discipleship, the things that we value here. They had me come and do a retreat. Uh, pastor Corey's church the vine nola if you want to look it up online he's an awesome guy and then also the raven ministry who does uh, mardi gras trips they started a church had me preach sunday night so boom shakalaka god showed up and man i was just honored to be out there and i let them know every good thing that i get to do as a pastor comes from this congregation so thank you for sending me out there thank you for letting me be a blessing to them and to come right back into saddle and if pastor jared did a good job last week can we give it up for him Amen. Closing out the series man we had such a great series last month it's all online all the lessons check it out and I just want to thank you as a congregation for being generous in your giving man we have already exceeded where we're supposed to be right now at this time for the Philippines trip and what a great thing to do to exceed in our giving for the Philippines and I just want to reiterate that whatever it took last month for you to give to give sacrificially if you do that for 11 months we're going to the Philippines in prosperity and blessing and we're going to let them know that Metro. International loves them. Amen. So hopefully nobody last month missed out on meals because they were giving to missions or their kids didn't have clean clothes. Remember, we talked about that. Like you said, oh, I gave your laundry money to missions, you know, and the kids are like, I hate missions because I have dirty clothes when you do that. So if you just look back over your life last month, did you survive? Did you eat well? Did did the, the bills get paid? Well, if that happened, then continue to give just like that. Now, for others of you, you're like, Pastor, you know, I'm just giving something minimal right now, and I'm just doing that, and it's awesome that we met our goal, but I have a, a heart to give more. Well, praise God. Pray this year that you can give more, that God will stretch you. I double dog dare you to pray for God to bless you to be a blessing to others. Not just to pray, God give me a promotion so I can get new clothes, a new car, but to say, God, give me a promotion so I can give more. Do I have anybody that wants to pray like that? God bless me to be a blessing. And then I uh, just want to thank you for supporting me to be an author as well. And I got new books coming in. You're going to see them in the library sometime this month. And one of the new books that I got to finish was Discipleship-Based Churches. And I got to talk about that book in New Orleans. And it's because of you that I get to be an author as well as a pastor. And something I want you to take part of this year, if you don't know about it, is our Life-Changing Devotions. Everybody say Life-Changing Life-Changing Devotions. Thank you, now let me tell you how I use this LifeChangingDevotions.com You're talking to your waitress Hey, what's going on? We're about ready to pray for our food Can we pray for you? Because I know you guys do that, right? You pray for your food, so you just ask your waitress Waiter, hey, we're about ready to pray for our food Anything we can lift up uh, for you As we pray, that always gets their attention By the way, I've hardly ever had that be refused So you say, uh, yeah She says, yeah, you can pray for me, pray for my family, whatever And you go, great, so you pray for the food Then she comes back and she'll normally be like Oh, you guys Christians, you guys do something And you're like yeah, we know we love Jesus. We go to this church over here, and you may not feel like at that point you know you can go through the whole gospel. You know what you can say to her? You know what? You want to read something every day that will inspire you? Go to lifechangingdevotions.com. It is so easy for them to remember. I was in the taxi car on my way to the airport. I said, Man, can I just read this to you to the taxi cab driver? I was reading it, and one of the examples was not to get angry in traffic, but to trust God. I mean I mean do you see like a like a Holy Ghost coinky dink there? Like I am reading this going, dude, this is for you don't get mad in traffic and then literally he said that he was living with a shut-in a person that's dealing with some real extreme anxiety can't leave the house and then at the end of the devotion it said don't be afraid don't fear trust God and all that you do he'll make a way for you so I'm just going to encourage you talking to waitresses talking to your friends and family hey read this or read it to them my wife and I are doing it every day as devotions in our family this is to encourage you can I hear an amen for that all right, Matthew chapter 1 verse uh, chapter 5 verse 1 starting a new series the beatitudes eight ways to live a blessed life. Does anybody want to be blessed? Amen. You are too blessed to be stressed. Some of y'all know that saying. Others write it down. You are too blessed to be stressed. When the devil's messing, that's because God is blessing, amen? So there's another good saying. And, uh, you know, God will never bless your mess either. So you got to get your life in order. So this whole, uh, not just this month, February, but also March, so eight weeks, we're going to go over the eight ways to live a blessed life. So there's eight Beatitudes, and you're going to learn what those are. It's really just the attitudes of the kingdom, the attitude of blessing. And I want to encourage you this month to learn one Beatitude a week. So, for example, we're going to be learning about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I challenge you to learn that this week. And at the end of the two months, I'm going to bring up a treat for you guys about how our family has learned these beatitudes. I think you know where I'm going, some of you. But we're going to take this on as a family. matter of fact, I'm just going to tell you right now so you can look forward to it. I'm going to have my children come and recite all eight of them from memory. A four-year-old and a five-year-old are going to do it. So are you going to let a four-year-old and a five-year-old outdo you, sir? Young man, no. So memorize them this week. Because after my my daughter says the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, then I'm going to hand it to you. And I'm going to say, tell me what you know. Are you all ready? Okay, so memorize them this week. One beatitude a week, and it will change your attitude. The beatitudes will change your attitude. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and he called his disciples to come to them, to him. And he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Every time you see the word blessed are, I want you to say it with me out loud. So he said. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you look to the introduction, we have our notes online. You can always follow. The introduction teaches us here basically what the Beatitudes are. The Beatitudes are one of the most popular and foundational teachings of Jesus. So these things transcend all time in church history. Every church uh, Christian that's ever been a part of Christ's church from the beginning up until now, 2,000 years, they know about the Beatitudes. The actual word Beatitudes, somebody say beatitude. Thank you comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed, happy, or blissful. Look at your neighbor and say blissful. Blissful. Isn't that word just happy to say? Blissful. Don't you want to live a blissed life? Not only blessed, but be blissed out on Jesus. Like, man, I'm so blissed right now, man. Man, the word of God has blissed me, man. See, I want to be blissed, not just blessed. I want to be happy. Therefore, the Beatitudes are the eight sayings of Jesus that teach the disciple how to be happy and favored by God. And I just want to pause right here. As you're starting the new year, some of you are looking forward to this year. And you're saying, man, things are going to be great. Things are going to be awesome. It's already started off good. And you've got so much to be thankful for. And you're pumped and excited. And this is for you to learn how to live that happy, blessed life. Others of you, I mean, it seems like it just kind of hit us like a snowball. You, you know, we have three mothers in our church, the, the part of our family that either they're here or they're, they're, they're family, three moms that have cancer. Dear God, can you, can, you t- can you say have mercy, right? We had two funerals this week for people in our church. So you may be coming to this year in a different perspective. You may be saying, man, you know, I know there's good things, but I also see a lot of hardship ahead. You know, I'm going to be living without this family member or I'm going to be helping this person go through cancer or I'm looking for a new job. This is also for you as well. When we talk about being happy and blissed and blessed in God's kingdom, we're not talking about a yellow brick road. We're not talking about a world that's devoid of sorrow or a world that's devoid of pain. What we're talking about is having an inner peace, an inner relationship with God. That is not moved by the storms of this world. So whether or not you're looking at the new year with rose colored glasses. You're like it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be awesome. Or you're already seeing some trouble ahead. This is for you. I want these next two months to be for you. I want them to encourage you. So the one that's happy can say my happiness is not based on a paycheck. I may make money but God's the source of my blessing. Right? So you're looking to God. You may say, well, I'm looking to get married this year. I'm looking to do all these great things. But you're looking to God as your source. Never forget it. And then those of you who are going through trouble, you'll say, "You no matter what I go through, God is going to be with me. God's presence is going to be with me. His peace is going to be with me. He and I together will make it through this valley. Because the Bible doesn't say you stay in the valley. It says you go through the valley. And you won't fear death, even though death will be around you, even though hardship will be around you. You won't fear it because God will be on your side. Amen? So today's sermon is going to deal with the bliss of sinners admitting their great need for God and God giving them from their spiritual poverty to great spiritual blessings. So it's like God's story of rags to riches. And today's blessings and beatitudes are for everybody. Now I want you to look to these terms that I'm giving you because throughout the whole series, I want you to know what's going on in this message. Number one, he called the disciples. Somebody say disciples. Thank you. So when Jesus sat down, he said, disciples, come here. I'm going to teach you this. And that means to be a committed learner and student of Jesus Christ. So it's not good enough just for you to hear the word today. You have to put it into practice. You have to study it. You have to learn it and know it personally so that you can apply it to your life. Are you guys tracking with me? Because these things are not just like fortune cookies that, oh, if you just read it, now all of a sudden good luck is going to come to you. No, these are things you have to practice. You're going to have to practice them and learn them and adjust your life to be around them because we don't always follow God perfectly, do we? Have you ever stumbled and fell in in your Christian walk, made a mistake and said, man, I shouldn't have did that? You ever suffered in life because some of the bad decisions you have made? Well, this is for a disciple now. You look at these beatitudes and say, Okay, well, God wants me to have the attitude of blissfulness and happiness and blessing. But sometimes I mess up. Well, a disciple, as a disciple, I'm going to learn how to stay in God's blessing how to stay in God's happiness. And remember, I'm defining, and I'll say it here again, but I'm defining God's happiness and blissfulness, not according to money or outside circumstances, but according to our relationship with God on the inside. Amen? The Sermon on the Mount is actually the larger portion here of Jesus' teachings. It's the largest uh, gathering together of Jesus' teachings anywhere in the Bible, and it's found Matthew 5 through 7, and it's the foundation of our spiritual practice with God and morality. And I'm very tempted, and uh, the Lord may be leading into this, that after we go through the Beatitudes, we just cover the whole entire section known as the Sermon on the Mount. So you may be in for a long ride through the book of Matthew through the red-letter teachings of Jesus. Is that all right? He's talking about Jesus again. Oh, my goodness. When are we going to stop talking about Jesus in church? I want him to tell me jokes and make me laugh. Okay, so it's, you know, nobody would be disappointed if we say we're going to talk about Jesus' teachings after March, right? Okay. But that's just the bigger context. And please take time to read it because those are the famous sayings like, do unto others as you want done unto you. Sermon on the Mount. Uh, not an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth, but turn the other cheek. Sermon on the Mount. Okay. Uh, to, to lust after a woman in your heart, adultery of the heart. Where is that found? Sermon on the Mount. Lord's Prayer, our Father, which are in heaven. Where is that found? Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so you get it. It's all that good stuff is found. Sermon on the Mount. And uh, today, like I said, we're talking about the Beatitudes, the blissful, happy, blessed sayings of Jesus. And uh, when we look at the word blessed, a lot of times we say, God bless you after somebody sneezes. And it's kind of funny, like we don't do that after other bowel movements or physical reactions to things, you know, like, oh, God bless you. God bless you, you just blessed us with your aroma, now we pray God bless you. Or like, oh God bless you. Oh God, do something with them! This foul order. I smell. You know, why don't we do this with other reactions? Can I tell you why it's actually superstition? They say it's one of two ways it came into our tradition to say God bless you after somebody sneezed. Number one, the bubonic plague was going around, uh, and it could be caught. You know, through you know your breath and all of the germs and all that. So like, choo, you know, God bless you. You know, I don't want your disease. And then there was like this thought, you know, because, you know, the force of a sneeze. Sometimes I've sneezed so hard, like I've cracked my back. Has anybody ever done that? Like, ha It's like, whoa, that's, that was weird. Like, I'm like, ha I might break my back and spine, be like this, be like, dude, that was an intense sneeze, man. But they thought like maybe your soul was going out like, hachu, God bless you. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. So a lot of times when somebody says, God bless you to me, I say, thank you. I was already blessed before I sneezed, but it's good to know that you want me to be blessed now. And you can just see the random look that they'll give you like on the airplane. like cut you. God bless you. I was already blessed, but thank you. Are you blessed? See, there's a conversation starter right there, right? Like, hey, we're just throwing around blessings. You know, let's just talk some more about that. Let's talk about Jesus. I mean, do you know him? Right. But this, in our culture, obviously, is such a shallow meaning to what it really is about in the Bible. The Bible, when it comes to blessing, is so much deeper than just uh, well-wishing somebody. No, it means to be spiritually happy and successful. Why? Because of God's favor upon your life. When you're blessed by God, it really means that God is approving of you and that He's on your side. Another way to say it is like empowered to prosper. That's why it's become a tradition in a good way for Christians to say back and forth to each other, God bless you. Have a great week. What we're saying is may God approve of you this week. May he support you and what you do. God bless your family. May God's power be upon you to be a mother, a father. So those blessings that we're giving to each other, we should probably take a little bit more time to really understand what we're saying. And if we're clicking like, like on the Facebook, we're going to pray for you, how many know we should really pray? Because clicking like doesn't count, does it? Prayed for you, prayed for you, prayed for you, and prayed for you. Smiley face. No, 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 no. When I'm saying I'm praying for you, what I do is I look across that, that, that post and I say, God, be with their mother. Lord, bless them and make a way for them. And a lot of times you'll see me on your post, I'll just simply put, God is able. God is able. Because what I want to do as your pastor and as your friend is to train your mind to always think whatever problem you're facing, God is able. And that's what blessing really means. It means God is able to do something great in my life. Not based on circumstances, but based on his power because how many know heaven doesn't change when economies change how many know the angels aren't up in heaven going guys the gold the value of gold has just gone down up here well, what are we going to do about the value of gold up here god's like make some more you know come on it's not even in their mind the angels father son and spirit so god never changes that's why we need to be on his timetable and his and his way of thinking and then lastly you see all throughout the Bible this, this, this phrase, kingdom of heaven. And if you look at the Beatitudes, it's actually the bookends of the Beatitude. The, the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the what? Kingdom of heaven. And then the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's like bookends. God knew what he was doing. He was writing the Bible. He's getting your attention and he's saying, this is the kingdom and this is the kingdom and everything in the middle is about the kingdom. Are you guys tracking with me? So it's very important that we understand what the kingdom of heaven is about. Let me first say this. The kingdom of heaven is the same thing as the kingdom of God. The Jewish people just did not even like to use the word God in their common conversations. They even thought that could be taken as blasphemy. And you'll even see it sometimes in uh, in Jewish people's writings today. If you see it online, they'll write G-D. Has anybody ever seen that when you're reading something online? Jewish people will write God like that, G-D. They won't even say it. So as a way of them substituting the word for God, they would simply say heaven. Because that's where God is. So when you see the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, it's simply saying the same thing, but maybe those in that time were being more sensitive to the Jewish culture and simply saying heaven instead of God. It's the active rule and reign of Jesus in one's life. Everybody say, active rule and reign of Jesus. Come on, it's the active rule and reign of Jesus. Kingdom in the Greek is basilalia, and it means very similar to what we would think of like today, you know, the kingdom of America, the kingdom of this, uh, you know, but obviously you need a king for a kingdom, but it's really talking about someone ruling and reigning over a government, over a nation. And so when we look at the kingdom of heaven, it's Jesus as king ruling in our lives and upon the earth. Now, as you see today, Jesus is not on his throne yet. So the kingdom of heaven starts where? Within us. See, the throne of your heart becomes the first place Jesus reigns. And this is actually a part of his mercy. His mercy. Somebody say mercy. Thank you, because sometimes we think, man, I just want Jesus to come and rule and reign on the earth. Bad idea for the people who are not in the kingdom right now. He comes down right now. There's a lot of lost people that are not in the kingdom. They're going to hell. So, the Bible actually says in 1 Peter, the reason why he tarries, the reason why he has not come back yet, the reason why it's been 2,000 years is because he's allowing the world's population to grow and the gospel to be spread all across the earth. If you look at uh, population charts, we are the largest population that's ever been upon the earth, obviously, because it's been around the longest. You know, we, we're here at the end of, of human history. But not only that, all of the nations now have people to reach them. We are just a few nations away from reaching all the nations of the world. And if we haven't reached that specific nation, that specific tribe yet, we as missionaries are already planning to go there. We're on their continent. We know about them and we're coming to them. See, that's the great miracle of God allowing time in human history to grow for the sake of more going to heaven, more being a part of his kingdom. See see it like this. There's more people alive that know Jesus today than at any other point in history. Can you understand that? So today, there's more people alive that know Jesus than ever have before. So that's His mercy. And then notice in the king, uh, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, it is theirs today. Everybody say today. He doesn't say, for you will have the kingdom of heaven, like when you die. Some people think the kingdom of heaven starts when I die. No, he says, for theirs is, right now, the kingdom of heaven. That's why the Bible says you have to be born again, otherwise you won't see the kingdom of heaven. But if you're born again, you can see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God right now. Do I have any kingdom citizens of God's kingdom right now? Can I hear an amen, a woo-woo, a hallelujah? Hallelujah. All right, come on, let's go to Matthew 5.3. There's the uh, terms for our series, and let's look at today's Beatitude. Here's the first one, Matthew 5.3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we look at being poor in spirit, we're not talking about lacking material wealth. It's not like God is saying you have to become broke to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Would you just scroll with me, please, uh, to number one. What we're looking at here is a spiritual bankruptcy. Poor in where? Spirit. Not poor in a bank account. Though the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven, there's many blessed rich people that are going to be in the kingdom of heaven, okay? And if you had a choice, you know, because a lot of times we're like, you know, I'd rather have Jesus and all the money in the world, and that's cool. But what if you can have Jesus and some money? Would you want to have both or be knowing Jesus and be broke, busted, and disgusted, right? I would rather have both. And if you don't want it, just write out those checks to Metro Praise, amen? We'll spend it happily, Okay, but here, here's the deal. A lot of times in the kingdom of God, we think the more poorer you are, the more Christ-like you are, like the, the better you are like Jesus, and that's not true. Sometimes we also uh, put ignorance with poverty, and we say the more ignorant you are, the better you are in faith. You know, so like this debate, we're going to be live streaming on Tuesday. They may, uh, the non-believer may kind of put it like this. It's the Christians versus the scientists. So it, it makes it sound like Christians aren't scientists. Like Sir Isaac Newton, all he was doing was just fumble-farting with his Bible. Like, I just play with my Bible, you know, Genesis. It's like, it's not saying that Christians can be scientists. Are you getting my, my point? It's like Christian beliefs versus scientific beliefs. Already it's like, you know, these guys are dumb, you know, and we're smart. And, and that's kind of like the way it is. It's like either you, you live by faith, make-believe, Star Trek, you know, conventions, and you pretend to be somebody you're not. You come to church, pretend to speak in tongues. Like here you are in faith world, and then here's reality. You, you get my point there? Or, or it's like here you're poor and ignorant, and you go to church, or you're well-to-do, educated, and you work for a living. So it's like church people, they're poor, they're ignorant. I've actually heard that on the streets. And, and maybe you haven't heard it quite so negatively. Maybe you've seen it painted up a little better by somebody saying this when you're preaching the gospel to them. They'll say, I don't really need that. You need to find somebody else who needs that. Have you ever heard that? See, I hear that all the time. No, I'm good. No, we're, we're good. And I always like to go like, you're good going to hell? <laughs> like, like what, what do you mean you're good? Like, no, I'm good. Or like, oh, I'm good. I'm like, you've had enough of Jesus? Like no, I'm good. I've had enough of Jesus. Like you're cheating. You're cheating Jesus. Like he's that bread pudding after your Thanksgiving meal. Like no, I'm good. I'm like, you're good? Like, you had enough? See, people in that mentality, they don't understand. They think the only ones showing up to church are those who are struggling in life. They need Mother Teresa's help. They're not really smart, so they believe a snake talked. They believe stuff like people walk on water, so it's those poor people. And then God says to these poor people, hey, guys, guess what? You get to go to heaven. You can't see it now. It's all make-believe. But you get to go to Never Never Land with Peter Pan and a lot of pixie dust so just suffer on this earth and believe in anything you want and I'll see you up there that's how people interpret this I'm being honest with you. If you've never heard this kind of interpretation, you have probably never talked to people outside of the Christian faith about your faith. But if you start to talk to people outside of the Christian faith, they'll begin to express to you how many of them look at what Christianity is and how people look at it. They'll say, like, you guys are ignorant. You guys are poor. You don't have much to offer the world. But this is totally opposite. You see, number two, it confesses one's unworthiness before God and utter dependence upon him. So the person who says, no, I'm good, no, I'm good, I'm like, so you know another way to heaven? Because the only way you're getting to heaven is admitting your spiritual bankruptcy. That's the only way you're getting in. You're not getting into heaven thinking you're a good person. You're not getting into heaven thinking that all religions are the same. You have to come to Christ, renounce all other religions, all other religious paths, say He's the only way, and you have to say you don't know the way unless He teaches you the way. Look at number three. Everyone must begin their relationship with God. Somebody say everyone. Everyone must begin their relationship with God by confessing that they by themselves can earn nothing. Nothing. From God, but his wrath. A lot of times people look at the thief on the cross and they're like, oh, he got off easy. Here he gets to live his whole life as a thief. And then just these last few minutes, he just calls out to God and asks for help. Shame on you for thinking that way. Because the thief on the cross could only get into paradise the same way you and I can get into paradise. He had to admit he was spiritually bankrupt, deserving of God's wrath, but that Jesus was his perfect Savior. And he was willing to humble himself and say, I can't save myself, but I'll ask him to save me. It doesn't matter if it's a deathbed confession or my wife being brought up in a Christian family and her recognizing that in a much different way. All of us come to Jesus the same exact way, saying it's not by my good works, it's not by my religion, it's not by my parents or anything I've been taught. It's only by you, Jesus. Save me because I can't save myself. Now look with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Just in case some of you are thinking you've got some pennies in your spiritual bank account. You might think to yourself, well, pastor, maybe I'm not the richest person in my spirit. Maybe I don't do all these good works, but, you know, I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't lie, I, I'm good to my family. So maybe I've got some pennies to bring to Jesus. Let's see what Romans chapter 3, verses 9 and onward has to say about the world and their spiritual riches. Look at Romans chapter 3 starting in verse 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. See, the Jewish people were thinking, well, you know, maybe I got some spiritual bank with God. I got some spiritual stocks and bonds with him. I don't have to really repent and come like heathen Gentiles do, idol worshipers. You know, the Roman people were worshiping pagan gods and idols, sacrificing their children. You all tracking with me? So the Jewish people were like, man, we got the Ten Commandments. We've got the Torah, the Old Testament. We've got some spiritual clout with God. This is what Paul says. Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written. Just so now, if it's unclear to you what the power of sin means in your life. This is everybody. Just in case it was unclear, the Apostle Paul wanted to make it crystal clear. There is no one righteous, not even one. Not even one. There is none righteous without Jesus Christ. You are spiritually bankrupt. And I love giving the example like this. If I had a pure bottle of water here, 100% pure, and I put in .01% of anthrax, would you drink it? Of course not. One sin got Adam and Eve kicked out of the Garden of Eden. You are not good. You have already sinned at least once. You are not good. You have now become bankrupt in heaven's economy. You are not pure and you are not perfect. You can't get in on your own merit. That's why. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. They're not trying to cash checks that they don't have money to back up in the bank account. They don't try to pull off a scheme. They come right to the person in heaven and go, I ain't got no money. I don't have any way to pay for this, but Jesus, will you give me salvation? See, I think we got a lot of people out here writing bogus checks. You think heaven's going to cash your checks you've been writing because you do this and you do that. No, when you get up to heaven without Christ, it will see zero balance bankrupt. But I'm going to keep on reading. Somebody say, preach it. There is none that understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. What does A-L-L mean? All All have turned away. Thank you. They together became, what? Worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now listen to the way that this prophet, who Paul is uh, quoting, describes the world without Christ. Now, for some of you, this may be harsh, but for others of you, you're already saying amen in your spirit. You're already with me, but I'm going to tell you what, man. I didn't understand this until I became a Christian. And that's where the light really came on. And when I started reading this, I understood this, these descriptions right here. And I want to ask some of you to be honest with yourself because I think you're teetering on this. I want you to be really honest. When you look at the world without Christ, I don't care if you paint the best picture of the world or the nastiest picture when you see these people on a, the Chicago Tribune mug shots. You know, a 14-year-old girl stabbed her, 11-year-old sister 40 times that is disgusting obviously but i don't care if you paint it as a super bowl party downtown in a million dollar condo tonight this is the picture of the world according to god and i pray your eyes can see this description their throats are open graves their tongues practice deceit the poison of vipers is on their lips see have you heard that dirty talk in the world See, now we know it ain't got nothing to do with color, uh, ethnic, white, black, pink, purple, rich, poor. You know what I'm talking about, just filthy mouths, poison off your lips, open graves in your throat. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. 50 million children died in abortion clinics, murder all around the world. And then Jesus said that if you hate your brother and you have inward hate for him, Sermon on the Mount, it's the same as murder. And look at what it says. Ruin and misery mark their ways. You follow them long enough. You watch their path long enough. I was watching Sylvester Stallone. You know what I mean? This is Rocky. Yeah, hey, oh, you know, it's Rocky, you know. And I'm watching this interview, and then I start starting about Rocky. I, th- I believe he's been married four times, was caught abusing, uh, you know, steroids, and you just, you just follow anybody's life long enough. You'll see ruin and misery mark their ways. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace, look at this, the way of shalom, They do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They think they're okay. With all their cursing, with all of their unforgiveness, and all their bitterness, and all their anger, and all their perversion, and all of this, they still think in their self, they're deceived. I'm okay. They don't fear God. You think that the world being in turmoil would awaken them. You you think little Wayne being hooked on drugs would awaken him to see his need for God. You think a nation without peace would awaken us in our need for God. You think the schools of Chicago would be having two-hour prayer meetings before every day because you think the lack of peace would awaken a conscience. But they have no fear of God. They're numb to the very filth they live in. They're numb to it. They don't even smell it anymore. They don't even notice it's gone. I was talking to a couple the other day whose marriage was a wreck, and they're just trying to piece it all together, and they were fighting in front of me while they were asking advice because they knew not that peace had left them in their marriage. They, They only knew turmoil. Some of you have grown up like me in a city like Chicago and all you know is locking your door with 30 locks, walking with mace in your hand. And you don't even know what it's like to be at peace on the streets. You don't even know. It's, it's been taken from you. But yet we won't turn to God. You understand? This is the sinful heart. Now look at Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Somebody say held accountable. Now look at your neighbor and say the good news is coming. Okay, but you got to hold on. You've got to hold on for the good news. Okay, it's coming. You're like, whoa, this is heavy, man. Yeah, because I want you to go to heaven. Okay, okay. I want you to admit this. Okay, now here we see that the whole world is held accountable to God. Now, why does a good church like us do discipleship and one-on-one Bible studies with everybody and hold people accountable? Is it because we want to get up in your business, measure how long your skirt is, ladies, men, check on your computers and watch what you're watching all the time? No, the reason why we want to hold you accountable is because we just want, as a church, to remind you you're accountable to God. God does see what you do on the computer. He does watch what you're watching when you're doing it. He does know the words you're speaking, the thoughts you're having. And so a good church is saying, let's be accountable. Let's iron sharpen iron. Let's hold each other to a higher standard. Why? Because we're already accountable to God. He already knows. And there's no escaping his judgment. Like I tell people, if you think you're going to escape God's judgment, stand up on a building and say, I don't believe in gravity, and jump off and see if you can escape gravity. Well, I don't believe in judgment. I don't believe in God. Don't change a thing. It's coming your way. You're held accountable to God. Therefore, praise God, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. There is no way you can keep those Ten Commandments enough to balance out the scale. Oh, yeah, well, I've, I've done some bad. Okay, yeah, I've had some cursing. Yeah, I've had some perversion. But you know what? I'm going I'm to balance it out by helping old ladies cross the street, being a good mom. You will never justify the sin you have done by doing good works. God's law does not m- work that way. You have to be cleansed and purified. And it says, rather, through the law, we become conscience of our sin. Now, I just want to know today, did you become conscious of the sin of not knowing Jesus Christ? Did you become conscious of that? Because now you can become poor in spirit. Amen. See, the first message Jesus ever taught was repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And so if you were one of these people spiritually broke, busted, and disgusted, it was like Jesus saying, I'm forgiving you and bringing you to a place you never could have gone before. I'm giving you Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Man, I'll take it. What do I got to do, Jesus? Repent of the things you've done admit the things you've done are wrong stop trying to hide them stop trying to compare your sins to your neighbor's sin you know, you know we always got a neighbor that's worse than us don't we you know we always do you always got a coworker that's worse than you you're like man thank god I'm not that guy you know Like, sometimes you just want to talk to that person to know how good your life is, you know? Like, just tell me how miserable your weekend was. Okay, okay. Well, this is what I did this weekend. It was awesome. Yours was miserable, but mine was awesome. Thanks for making me feel better. And I'm serious. We actually think that way sometimes. I heard a guy tell me, I watched Jerry Springer just so I can feel normal. Really? I mean, that's the way we think sometimes. But we're not being judged by our neighbor. You're not being judged in comparison to Jeffrey Dahmer. It's not like Jeffrey Dahmer's standard is here and God's going to say, everybody who went above Jeffrey Dahmer gets in. You know who we're getting judged by? Jesus Christ. Perfection. Always pleased the Father. No sin was ever found in Him. No guile. No perversion. No cursing, no bitterness. Forgave his enemies even unto death. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Always loved. Always put God first. You're being compared to his perfect standard. That's why he died for you. So that his salvation that he purchased could be given to you. His righteousness could be exchanged for your wickedness. That's what it means to say, I'm poor in spirit, but now I get the kingdom of heaven. I admit that I'm nothing, but Christ is everything. Please go back to the notes as we just correct a few more false views, and then we get even more into the good part. But how many can already sense the good is coming? Amen? Jesus. Sometimes we falsely view then salvation like this. God makes the down payment for Jesus, uh, from Jesus, like we're buying a house, but then we have to make the monthly payments. Sometimes we think about Jesus in the purchase of salvation like he basically just went to the, you know, to the car dealer, went to the mortgage company and said, hey, okay, this person is jacked up. They can't save themselves. They don't have enough money to buy this car house. I died on the cross. Here's their down payment. Now put them in this house. Put them in this car. And then we now think that salvation, to, to live out our salvation is we got to work and make our monthly payments. Like Jesus got me in this place man but I better start working hard so I can keep this house you know what I'm saying I got to keep my salvation by doing all these good works I got to keep it paying the pay the piper here or otherwise I'm not going to keep it that is a lie We are not saved by good works we're not kept, saved by good works, and we don't get to go to heaven by good works. It's at the start, by grace, through Jesus Christ, through faith. It's in between, by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. And it is completed, your salvation, by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. From beginning to end, everything in between is Jesus. Jesus. It's His merit. It's His goodness that gives us salvation. Amen? Amen. And I want you to see these scriptures quickly, because if you get anything from today's message, I really want you to hear this, that Jesus says, you ain't got to be poe, no more. His riches will be transferred to your poverty. Praise God. Let's look at it. It may sound too good to be true, as Pastor Adam preached in one of our conferences, but it's not too good to be true. It's amazing. It is unheard of. Yes, it is miraculous, but it's God's promise to us. That's what makes him a good God. A good God. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, you're waiting for the screen like me, but come on, work your Bible. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. All right, we got one person. Amen. Help me preach, Osalito. You're awesome. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty awesome. Second Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Woo, come on somebody, think about that. See, now you know why the gospel, Evangelion in the Greek means good news. See, we just say gospel. We lose the meaning there. Evangelion in the Greek, they understood it. Good news. It's good news. Think about this. Jesus is in heaven. All the worships, I mean, all the angels worship him. He has all the wealth of the world. He operates in his divine privilege as the son of God. Yet he comes to this earth as a baby in a manger. No wealth of this world can ever compare to what he had in heaven. Yet it goes further than that. He actually became a man. So he humbled himself to do what men do. He used the bathroom. He had to eat food for sustenance. His body even got tired. Yet though in his soul and spirit he was divine. But he took on this flesh. Can you imagine the poverty he was going through on this earth? Once we get to heaven, we'll never want to leave. Yet he was there and left it for us to live like a man. And yet it goes even further than that. He was crucified by his own creation. I mean, the only example that I can give you of it almost just makes it sound silly. Imagine you make the cartoon The Simpsons and then you become a cartoon like the Simpsons, and then you let them murder and beat you and torture you. Can you just see how foolish it is, even in our mind, to think of it that way? The Bible actually calls it foolishness to the mind of philosophers, that philosophers who are trying to figure out the path to happiness, I think, therefore I am, you know? What's the meaning of life? When they hear that the God of creation became a part of his creation and died from his creation so that they might be saved. They go, that don't even make sense. That sounds as if a person became a cartoon and died. It's foolishness. Yet Christ did it to confound the wise, the Bible says. He did it to show his great love for us, that he was humble enough to not have to stay in heaven and judge us as sinners, or just give us a bunch of good works so we could work our way to heaven, but that he would secure our salvation and make it 100% fail-proof. And he did it by his blood. Look at that scripture again. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know his grace like that? Can you admit that without Christ you're spiritually bankrupt? That but, but because of Christ you can be rich in him. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. By the way, these three passages I'm going to read are all from Paul and then Hebrews. We don't know which author it is, probably a companion of Paul. Paul. Or a compilation of his sermons. But I want you to see these. Like I said, this is one of the most important things you can see today in the message. It's always by Jesus. It's always by grace. Let me encourage some of you who are turning there. Once you're there, if you can look up. If you've started your Christian walk and now you're feeling tired or you're feeling discouraged. Or sometimes you feel that because of your sin that you can't really work this out. And you're not going to make it. Be encouraged by these scriptures you're not working to earn salvation Salvation is a gift And the only way you can lose it Is if you give it back And deny Him and say I don't want it So do you want salvation? Can I hear an amen? Do you want to do good works in salvation? Can I hear an amen? Well then stick with Jesus and His grace Amen Let Him continue to make the payments Through your life And you'll see how He does it right here Ephesians 2, 1 All the way down As for you You were dead in your transgressions and sins In the words of Jesus You were broke, busted, and disgusted In your sins sense in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Remember we talked about that in Romans? The mouth full of deceit, the throat is an open grave misery, and ruin marked their ways. You used to do that, and the ruler you followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. So he's saying, you know what it's like to have lived in the world, to be under the power of Satan, and to be just like them being deceived. Does anybody relate to that? Can you remember what it was like before you knew Christ? Now look at what it says. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. How many know your flesh had certain cravings? and it was sinful in God's eyes, but your flesh craved it. Maybe some of you just had to tell lies. You couldn't tell the truth. Every time you were put in a situation where it would you know, it would benefit you to tell a lie, you would tell a lie. Others of you, it might have been perversion and lust. Anytime you were given that temptation to have imagination or something that was perverted, you took it. Or for others of you, you just could never forgive anybody. You just held on to bitterness. No matter what you went through in life, it's just you got bitter, you got bitter, and it's just built up like a brick wall in your life. Just all bitterness. Maybe others of you. It was your thought life, that you could never think the thoughts of God. You would always just think things that were random and greedful and selfish, and it was always about you, yourself, and I, and me, 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 me. See, we all had our own cravings of the flesh, didn't we? Look at your neighbor and tell him what your craving was. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, k- kidding. Kidding. Like, that will no longer be your neighbor. Oh, Oh, really? Okay. Like, no, I'm not sitting here. (laughs) Aren't you happy you don't have to do that today? I'm not Father Tom, and I'm not taking confessions. But Jesus Christ said you can confess all your sins to him. There's no shame coming to Jesus. Amen? There's no confession. You don't need to do that. Go to Christ. We all did this following its evil desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of what? Of wrath. See, we deserved wrath. But because of his great love for us, isn't this precious? Listen to this. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Do you know that though you are here upon this earth and a citizen of America, you are now a citizen of heaven and that through the spirit, the Holy Spirit and your spirit, you are able to transcend this earth and have sweet communion with God in heaven. He is your father and your spirit can cry out, Abba Father, Daddy, Poppy, hear my needs today. You are with him, and he is with you. In order, why did he do all this? In order that in the coming ages he can show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you know on judgment day, when people are sentenced to hell because they rejected God, their last image they're going to see is the bride of Christ being glorified in God's presence. They will forever be tortured, not only in hellfire, but by the memory that will never die like a worm. It will crawl in and out of their memory of what God did in his people. Fallen angels will see this as their last image. We were given this great place of privilege to be with God. We traded it for our own desires. And the last image they'll see is God's people being glorified. Don't go to hell with the devil and his angels. It wasn't prepared for you. God prepared this for you, to be in his presence and to forever be with him and to experience his grace and love. God is not against you. He is for you. The Bible says you've already messed it up yourself. You've already been your worst enemy. So he didn't come to condemn you and damn you to hell. The Bible says he came to save you and bring you with him to heaven. Stop fighting him. Stop resisting him and come into the kingdom of God and bow before your king. Confess him, your Lord. He is Lord of all. Amen. And it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's our simple trust. That's our letting go and letting God. As I gave the example Sunday night at at Ravens Church in New Orleans, I had a young child hold on to a penny. And I said, hold on to it, everything you have. And I said, here's a credit card. Now, I said, you can't see the value of this credit card. You can only take my word for it. But will you let go of everything you have to put faith in me to let go of what I have? And that one day when you go to swipe this credit card, it will have more value than a penny. And he made that exchange. And that's exactly the exchange we make with God. Yes, you may have 80 years of family and a little kingdom you build here. And yes, you can't see heaven and all the glory of God but are you willing to have faith in God make an exchange for what you have now for what your eye has not seen what your ears have not heard are you willing to do that because God says when you do that he will not let you down You will never be disappointed in his presence is the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures hallelujah forevermore I'm trading my penny for the riches of heaven I'm trading my life for God's glory. He says, that's how we do it, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. God is giving us the ability to believe in Him. He didn't make us robots. He's giving us the salvation through grace, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, how do we do good works? By us mustering up our willpower. Oh, I'm going to be good today. I'm going to do so much better today. No, by letting Christ work within us. I become a better husband when I let Christ give me the words to speak to my wife. Of course, there's a cooperative effort. I have to hear His words. I have to grow in that knowledge. But God is working through me. And when did He prepare this? In advance for us to do. So there's nobody in the kingdom of God here by accident or He's looking at the angels going, I don't know how to bless this mess right here, guys. No, He's saying, I prepared this for my people. It's because of my grace. It's because of my kindness. And all the hell, have to do is just trust me amen i don't have time to get into philippians and hebrews but check those two out on your own i now want to show you some in the old testament if you're being encouraged can you say amen amen go to psalms 34 verse 6 and i'll just read this and a few more other things and then i'll call the band up and i'll read some more No, i'm kidding okay thank you come on amen brother look at this psalms 34 6 Look at the Old Testament. Do you know that they didn't have Christ as we do now? They had a hope that one day Christ would come. So, all they really had was the law, and they knew that this law kept they kept failing and not keeping it. so God gave them a sacrificial thing that they had to do whenever they broke the law, they would come to Yom Kippur the day of atonement, you know crucif uh, not crucified, but kill this animal, pour out the blood on the altar, and say, "God forgive us." but it was kind of like this revolving door of sinning and sacrificing, sinning and sacrificing. And yet David knew there was a greater hope beyond that. He knew that, that God could actually change him from being a sinner to make him a saint. That He even said in Psalms uh, 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. He even cried out at one time, God, better's one day in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. So he always knew that there was a promise of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And even the prophets like Ezekiel and Jeremiah said, You know, you go to see me in a temple, but God said, I'll come to you in your heart. Heart. you need men to teach you now but you'll need no one then because i'll teach you each individually See, this is the promise of being born again that's why when jesus saw nicodemus this jewish leader he said i'll tell you what it's not by this law and this rat race of sin and trying to keep the commandments that was just elementary that was the foundation but now it's been fulfilled in me and he said unless you're born again you can't see the kingdom of heaven but if you are born again the kingdom of heaven starts now are you with me So listen to this one verse, as you know all of that now. Listen to David's heart in the Old Testament before Christ. Listen to the cry of his heart. He's a rich king, so he has much wealth. He's not poor in material wealth, but poor in his spirit. Listen to what he says. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. Come on, is there anybody today that's poor in spirit, willing to call on Jesus? And is there anybody to have that testimony of faith even though you don't see it working out, but you're trusting God? He's going to save you from all your troubles. How many know all of us in heaven, this is going to be one of our worship songs you know psalms just mean songs we're going to be singing that this poor man called on the lord and he saved him out of all of his troubles can you imagine that we'll be looking back on our lives saying yeah god you saved me there you saved me there yeah uh, some things got taken away and lost here but you still made it work for your good that's why i'm here you know we'll look back and see how good god has been to us and i want you to see just quickly now so, uh, isaiah 66 2 Isaiah 66 six two, And I think this will probably be, I'm going to read one more scripture and wrap it up. Maybe two. Hey, man, just keep looking down. It's so good. Let's help me wind it down though. Vinny, would you come? You just keep on preaching. Keep you here till three in the afternoon. Right to the Super Bowl. Amen. This is Super Sunday. I get it now, right? Yay. Somebody like, nice try, Pastor. No, no, not Super Sunday. Okay, here we go. Come on up. Vinny, let let me read this now. Isaiah 66, 2. These are the ones I look on with favor. This is what God is saying. These are the ones I look on with favor. Not the rich, not the religious, not those who try hard to impress him. He said, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. You see, these are the ones God is looking for. And as you get into the Beatitudes, remember that it's bookends. The first one and the last one tell you what it's really all about. The first one says you come in poor and you leave rich. And the last one says you're going to suffer for this, but be of good courage because the kingdom of heaven's worth it. See, so you're going to learn next week, blessed are those who mourn because they're comforted. Blessed are those who come with their sorrows to Jesus because they're comforted. Because now you're living with that mentality. I don't have it, but God does. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. See, we're not trying to take it over like Genghis Khan. We're coming to Christ on our knees because he already owns it. Are you with me? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you're already full, you're not going to eat. But if you know you're hungry, you'll eat what's put before you. If you get so full on entertainment and the world and money and education, and you come to this church with your little wee appetite, you'll be disappointed. But if you look at this world and you see it all just as a shadow of what God really has, you'll come to the church, Bible. you'll come so hungry, Bible study, you'll be like, feed me with the bread of heaven. Not to say those other things are not significant, but it's only one place you can find the bread of heaven. Right? Amen? And I could go through the others, but Here's two ways to live poor in spirit. Number one, admit your need for God and salvation. So there's how you start. Like, God, I I can't save myself. I agree with uh, Romans chapter 3 that I'm a sinner. I agree with Ephesians 2 that I'm worthy of your wrath. But, Lord, I'm asking for salvation. See, that's how you start. That's how you're poor in spirit. Then when you're born again, and I know most of us here are, you accept the riches of heaven, and you don't forget about God, and you keep living dependent upon Him. So you don't treat God like the person who just made a down payment on your house. You know, God changed you, saved you, and now you're like, I'm good, God. I got it from here. No, you learn to live dependent upon Him. You learn to build your marriage upon Him. You just don't come to the altar and say, okay, and God, we trust. Now we're putting our marriage together. But God, I got it from here. No, pray and study God's Word. Let the Spirit of God be in your marriage. You know, some of you, when you were single, you were crying out for God to come and touch you and fill you. But the moment you got married and got kids, you got so busy trying to figure it all out. You hardly have time to come to the altar. You hardly have time to come to altar calls or to the Bible studies and you forgot all about God. No, it's by God's grace you have those children. Raise them with God. And there is power in His name and there is wisdom in His words. You'll see a change in your life. You'll see the kingdom of heaven. He's ruling and reigning through you. So two ways. Admit your need for salvation and live your whole life dependent upon him. And here in closing, the kingdom of heaven is all about the king. It's all about Jesus. We're not just going to heaven because there's streets of gold and pearly gates. We're going there because there's Jesus, our King, our Creator, our Savior, the lover of our soul. I'm in the kingdom because of a King who saved me. It's all about the King. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what God wants in your life. It's all about knowing Him and hearing His voice. That at the Last Supper, when we take communion, we're doing it in remembrance of that. He said that there, doing it in remembrance of me. He got down and he washed his disciples' feet. Could you imagine President Barack Obama washing people's feet and saying, don't just call me president, but call me your friend. The king of all the universe washed his disciples' feet. He says, no longer do I just call you servants, but I call you my friends. What an honor to know that when you leave this building, you never leave His presence, that He's your friend. You can walk and talk with Jesus. I always tell this story about intimacy from my friend Wayne. He traveled with this great evangelist Joey Hip all across the country. Miracle signs and wonders would happen, and and just like you and I would be amazed by it. Wayne was saying, "Man, how can I learn to have this power, this walk with God like this dude has?" And so the, the man said, "It's because I pray. I spend time with Jesus." And so uh, Wayne was so excited to go see Joey Hip pray. He he tried to sneak into his hotel room and watch him pray. And Joey said, "No." This this. this is private, man, it's just between me and God. Uh, But Wayne got so hungry because he kept seeing the miracles happen and all this, he begged Joey to see him pray. You know, uh, how does this great man of God pray? You know, it would almost be like with Moses. How does Moses pray? How did the disciples pray? And here he's expecting all these great prayers like God in heaven and earth, thou is the bestest, you know, and come in thy glory. He said that his mentor joey just put on some worship music and he just kind of stood in the middle of the room the hotel room and it was just quiet for a season just a moment and then he just put out his hand and he said god walk with me today take me by the hand and walk with me the secret of intimacy is walking with jesus it's just hearing the whisper of his voice It's like a mother waking up in the morning. Walk with me, Jesus. Teach me how to be a mom to these children. It's the man on his way to the work or the woman on the way to the work in the commute. Just walk with me, Jesus. It's all about a king. And this is what Romans 14, 17 says. I want you to read it and then we'll close out. If you can turn there. Romans 14, 17 says, This is what the kingdom of God is here. This is what we see here. This is what it's worth here. It's not promised with riches here. Though you may have a blessed life with riches, but blessings more than riches. It's not promised to have no trouble, but God will deliver you from trouble. This is what you'll see When you're poor in spirit and you say, I got the kingdom, this is what you'll see. The kingdom of God, remember, just as the same as the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of money and jobs and all of these things. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Quick definitions. Righteousness is doing the right thing. The Bible says in Psalms 23, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Being in the kingdom of God is God will lead you in righteousness. We've been talking about that. The second thing is peace. Somebody say peace. The second thing is peace. Anybody get that? Deuce. Anyways, I don't know Maybe that's where I came from. Maybe a preacher was like righteousness and peace. And somebody was like deuces because it was number two. We're too spiritual for that now. My brother's playing the soft music. When soft music comes on, we're done laughing. Serious, serious time. Peace, shalom, without turmoil. Here, without turmoil, here. Come on, somebody point here and say without turmoil. Here, here, it starts here. How do we go through the loss of life in peace? Because God is with us here. He's the king here. I can't control what you do and what they do, but he's the king of peace, the prince of peace here. And then joy. Just think of joy being the greatest expression of happiness. Bliss. Filling your love tank full to overflowing to where you can literally say, I want no more. God has given me all that I need. I don't need a bigger house to have more joy. I already got it. I don't need a bigger promotion, bigger job, whatever. I already have. If I get those things, that's fine. But I already have joy down here. There's an old song. Joy, 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 down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Joy, 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 down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Amen. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Ouch. See, here we go. Come on. We need to remember those Sunday school songs. I've got joy. Joy down in my heart. Where? Look at your neighbor and say where? And then tell him down in my heart. Amen. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. The devil didn't give you this joy. He can't take it. He can't take it from you. You got it. Amen. Let's stand up and give him a hand clap for the kingdom of heaven is here. Amen. We love you, Jesus. You're not clapping for the preacher, you're clapping for the King of Kings. Come on. We worship you, Jesus. Gracias, Señor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just pray with me now as you're standing? Father, we thank you that we come to you poor, but we leave rich. The poor in spirit come to you, God, with nothing but poverty and wrath and sin and misery and ruin. But we leave and receive the greatest treasure of all, Christ himself, the great exchange, my sin for your righteousness, my sorrows for your joy, my wrath for your victory my poverty for your riches what a great exchange in the economy of God hallelujah in an attitude of prayer right now if you have not accepted Jesus either today in the opportunities you've been given or at any time in the past would you just do so right now in your heart No one's going to call you out or embarrass you. It's between you and your maker right now. You know whether or not you're 100% right with God. If you're not, if there's any doubt in your heart, say, Jesus, save me. Save me as a sinner, God. Wash away my sins. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, saints, would you just pray that everyone here would know Jesus. God, we pray that no one leaves out here the same way that they came. We pray that all men would know you, that all people would know you. They would know the goodness of your kingdom. They would know the riches of your grace. They would know, God, the miracle of your kindness. few more moments, we're praying for you. Even if it's just one, just know this church is praying for you. We're taking our time for you to pray on your own, to ask God to forgive you. All you have to say is, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Jesus, save me and cleanse me. You're the Lord of my life. 30 more seconds right now, saints. Come on, if you if you can't keep praying for someone here, pray for your lost family members. Pray for your community. Just pray for somebody that's lost. This congregation may only have a few lost people, but this city, this nation has so many. God, may the spiritually poor find their riches in you. Take their attention off of the deception of the devil and the pleasures of this world and let them see who they really are and let them see who you really are. In the name of Jesus. And now as altar workers come, if you are in the kingdom, but you want to experience a greater depth of righteousness and peace and joy in an abountiful way, in an abounding way, would you just raise your hands with me, saints? Come on, children of the God most high. And would you just call out to the Lord, your Father, for what you need today? If you need to walk right and get some things straight on your path and you're calling out for righteousness, just do it now. If as a Christian you need to repent of things, do it now with your hands raised. If you need peace in your life, if you're facing a storm that's so much greater than you and you need the inner tranquility of God, would you release that pain, those problems to Him right now? Come on, peace. Peace be still in your heart. May you know the peace that passes all understanding. May it guard your heart and your mind today. And for those that need joy, hallelujah, joy like a river flooding your soul, just raise your hands and say, fill me, Jesus. Take away depression, take away sadness, take away sorrow and fill me with your joy fill me with your happiness fill me with your bliss hallelujah all of us should be praying for something right now come on before we leave out of here today would you pray a few more moments worship man, would you just sing this simple chorus blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven just sing that as we pray right now come on Jesus, Jesus, come on, just sing it out and pray. Let us join together in his kingdom.